pandemic, the housing crisis, rising inequality, inflation. There's so many reasons why young people today may feel anxious about the economy and their financial future. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke to Asil Elbaba, in-house financial therapist at Conscious Economics. The first thing we talked about is what is a financial therapist? Her organization recently partnered with Interact, the company that helps facilitate electronic money transfers, including debit, to survey Gen Z and millennials about the economic issues that matter to them. A generalization is always a generalization, but it seems to be the dominant way we think about generations and the challenges they face. So I talked to El Baba about her profession, about the survey results, and about the issues that Gen Z and millennials are grappling with. As always, the interview is edited for clarity and brevity. Asil, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, Gabe. Thanks for making the time. Let's talk for a minute about your job. A lot of people may never have heard of financial therapy or a financial therapist. What exactly is your role? That's an excellent question. It's a relatively new field uh, that kind of started around the 2008 market crash when people started becoming aware of how emotions and, and finances are intertwined. So our emotional well-being is a big part of our financial well-being. So essentially, financial therapists are usually cross-trained between financial backgrounds and mental health. I'm personally trained in both equally. And the profession started in the U.S. and now is expanding internationally. Granted, it's, it can be something that everybody can benefit from. The way I'd like to describe it is that the practice allows clients to navigate and change how they feel, think, behave, and communicate with money. And a therapist helps you regulate your emotions uh, and your nervous system because naturally financial stresses usually impact us on a very deep level and biologically gets us out of alignment. And when you regulate your nervous system, you're able to manage your emotion better, which then helps you make logical next steps as far as your financial plans are concerned. Yeah. And as I understand it, you focus on Gen Z and millennials. What would be a typical or a hypothetical case for you? I love that question. And I will tell you right off the bat, there's nothing typical. (laughs) (laughs) I see, I used to work on Bay Street, Toronto. So I've seen a whole bunch of different walks of lives. The commonality, though, is that we all have hidden um, emotions and beliefs around money that sabotage how we behave with it that we are unaware of. So financial therapists help you shed light on areas that you would otherwise have no idea uh, are impacting you and help you address previous money traumas or certain situations in your life that are impacting your current behaviors with money. So uh, while I work with Gen Zs and millennials, but I, we also work with women, with artists, with entrepreneurs, so the whole, there's a whole different host of, of clients that I see. Some of the issues that come up, for example, are people stuck in the scarcity mindset. Say they're unable to surpass a specific income. They have like a glass ceiling to their income that they've been stuck at for years and they're unable to understand why they, keep, they sabotage their own success, for example. Others that have helped are people who struggle with their spending behavior. And they come to me thinking that their issues are more about not knowing how to manage their budget or or navigate their cash flow. But when we dig deeper into it, we realize that money is a secondary issue to a more primary issue that's actually happening. 
So financial therapy helps us to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. And usually it's emotional needs or human needs where money is used to express the emotion that's underlying. Uh, So for example, someone who has a spending issue may be feeling stuck at a job they hate and they're using money as a way to buy joy on the weekend, for example. Okay, I can picture that. So your organization, Conscious Economics, recently collaborated with Interact, the debit company, and released the results of a survey on Gen Z and millennials, which found they're more likely to feel stressed, anxious, overwhelmed about their financial situation. Yeah. How much of that, I wondered, is related to their young age versus an actual difference from prior generations? Well, this generation actually is more emotionally literate, first of all. They, they, they are more aware of their emotion. There's more awareness on mental health. So they're more likely to understand the underlying uh, emotions that they're you know, going through, but as well express it and talk about it. So the, the interact research shows that this generation is more stressed, more anxious and overwhelmed. And as a result, overall less confident about their financial situation. So obviously every generation dealt with a different challenge and different barrier that's happening on a macro level. But this generation specifically is more vocal about it and more more aware that it's impacting not just their finances, but also their emotional well-being. Yeah. And I guess these are hard things to, you know, pin down how much more stressed or how much more financially literate they are than previous generation. It is going to always depend, of course, on like the individual persons you're comparing. But there was a finding in here that Mm -hmm. the emotional aspect of managing money is a much bigger issue for people who are Gen Z than, say, people who are baby boomers. Can you talk to me about what that means? Absolutely. So we saw through the internet uh, interact research that uh, nearly eight and ten Gen Zs respond that the inflation and the interest rates are actually increasingly stressful and making it harder for them to manage their finances. But they also acknowledged that it's not as easy for them to just get advice from like your typical traditional banker, like the boomers did. So they care so much about receiving. Uh, information from people they feel emotionally connected with. That's usually family members, friends, or mentors, or people they have some sort of relatability with them. And this is why we feel that finding your emotional support human is what we call it here at Interact and Conscious Economics is helpful to support this generation in striking up a conversation and empowering them with the right tools to have these conversations. Like money is usually a taboo and we don't get to talk about it, but we're trying to break that silence in the Gen Zs and encourage them to find people they can have these conversations with and be mentored by so that they can support them in their financial firsts. Because this generation is making first leaps and first milestones in such an uncertain dynamic. So it's much harder for them to feel confident about what that may look like. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. Yeah, sure. Uncertain, uncertain environment. It certainly is with, you know, everything happening between things like inflation, but also just kind of uncertainty about return to work, hybrid work environments. Yeah. Remote work. One thing I wanted to ask you in follow up to what you just said is an emotional support human. What is that? Like, can you explain that a little? Absolutely. 
So emotional support human is somebody that you seek emotional support with. And usually there are people you trust, but also people you look up to that help you change the way you relate with money. So examples of that could be people who've achieved certain milestones that you're inspired by. Like maybe they already bought their first homes or maybe you feel like they have the perfect work-life balance that you aspire towards. Or maybe you feel that they are involved in mindful spending where they you know, spend on themselves, but in a way that doesn't put them in debt or wreck their future. So reflect on what are the things that you personally care about expressing in our life. Because I always say money is a form of self-expression. It's a tool that helps us show the world who we are, especially if we learn how to use it wisely. So use that reflection prompt to think about people in your life right now that you can think about that you would want to ask these questions to and help them support you through the lessons they've learned. And once you strike that conversation, you'd be surprised what it can open up for you to learn and, and relate. And if somebody else learned that lesson before you, why not you know make your own path shorter? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about money as a form of self-expression. And people often say the opposite is that like money is not who you are, but on some level, you're saying it does have an ability to characterize who you are. Well, there's lots of, yeah, this is more of a philosophical conversation. Yeah. A lot of people think money changes you and other people say, no, money make you more of who you already are. So if you're already a bad person, it, it amplifies that. Uh, but if you're a good natured person, it also amplifies that goodness. Uh, so there's lots of debates on why that can look like. And, and certainly there's people who lose track of money being a tool and they make it more the objective. But in this case, uh, we're talking more about the impact and the relationship we have with money more more than it just being the object. Because the object as, as itself doesn't have much meaning. It's what we associate and the meaning we project onto it that makes a difference in how we interact with it. Yeah, So when I try to think about if you're just entering the workforce versus if you were entering it, I don't know, the previous decade or the decade before that, you had just had the pandemic, which, Mm -hmm. you know, had this major series of effects on the economy. Housing costs, whether you're renting or looking to buy, are higher than they used to be. We currently have inflation. Mm -hmm. What are some of the main issues that people come and talk to you about when they come to you as a therapist? So uh, it's a combination between what I call like the micro and the macro, because all these factors that you've mentioned are the macro things that are obviously consuming us as the headlines. But we also still have what's happening in our own individual lives. And it's really easy for us to lose track of what we can control in our lives when we're focused on all these things that we technically don't have control over. So part of my job is to help people take control and, and regain and feel empowered in this specific area in life. So helping individuals really pinpoint where are the areas I have control, uh, where I can use mindfulness as a tool to empower me to to address my emotions in the right way. So I'm not using money as a form of, you know, addressing some of these emotions. Then that's where the work is. It's really shedding the light on what are the main issues that are stressing somebody and getting them out of that you know, hurricane because it can we can easily be lost in all the things that continue to happen. And and we may also think it's unique to the times we're in, but there's actually lots of really cool examples of you reading a headline from like a magazine or a newspaper in like the nineteen seventies and it almost sounds identical to what's happening today. And you'd be shocked that this is actually a headline from like 30, 40, 50 <laughs> years ago. So there's lots of examples like that. We we always deal with what we're dealing with today. So it feels new, 
Yeah. What's old is new and what's new is old. <laughs> I guess. Exactly. We're adaptable and we're resilient human beings. And this is another part of this work is reminding us of the power we have inside and reconnecting us with what, what that can look like and then building mindful strategies to uh, help us regain control uh, in our lives. So this is a question that I think is germane to the conversation we're having. If someone out there is looking for a financial therapist, what is the rate structure? How does it work? Like, how does one find the financial therapist? It's not through their bank, I take it? No, no. I, although that's my hope and vision is that what, in the future, you'll have a financial therapist in the bank. <laughs> because I used to work in the bank. That's how my journey started. And most of my clients called me their therapist. And it's only when I started realizing how I lacked the tools to properly support my clients in their emotional journey that when I personally made the pivot and only later realized there's actually a financial therapy association that now exists. And that's maybe a good start. You can uh, Google financial therapy association, learn more about the practice and find a financial therapist through there. But what you can also do, um, depending on the area you're in, is talk to your own therapist and, and see if this is an area they can support you through. Mm. Uh, not everybody is comfortable with it, but it's, it's a start. Mm. And so you was so just to follow up on that though, you used to work for a bank and then yes. you have, I guess, probably a financial background that got yeah. you that job. Did you have to go back to school for a therapy background? Yeah, absolutely. I went into a five years program. I pivoted entirely into <laughs> psychotherapy uh, because I, I got really passionate about it and I wanted to f first embark on my own healing journey. Um, and I got really excited about creating a space and a mm -hmm. safe uh, um, space for people to start exploring their own relationship with money. And I'm curious about from your perspective, if your bank clients used to say that they felt like you were their therapist. Yeah. How has it changed from your perspective now that you're in the therapist seat? How have your conversations with them changed? Is it different? I would say so because now I'm more confident in, in going to the areas where emotions live. In the past, in the bank, I would be like lost in, in what to do and what to say and how to support a client through a major life transition. Because often clients found myself in my office as a result of a major transition that they're going through. Like if we're talking about Gen Z's to bring it back to this, like Gen Z's right now, they're navigating financial firsts. It's, it's milestones in their lives. In the bank, I used to just look at the cash flow, the numbers, the data. But now as a financial therapist, I'm comfortable going to the discomfort that they're being, like being with them in whatever emotion experiencing. So we can explore that together, process it together and build healthy ways to navigate it. Asil, I really thank you for coming on Down to Business to talk to me. Absolutely. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. That was Asil El Baba, Conscious Economics in-house financial therapist. This episode of Down to Business was produced by Bryce Hall, who composed and performed the original music and designed the logo. Pamela Heaven, Victoria Wells, and Noella Ovid provided web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll return with more episodes in the future. Until then, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com. <laughs>